Welcome to the Wounded Healers Podcast. I'm Janessa. And I'm Amy. We were brought together by our shared wound of an autoimmune condition in our early 20s. This is a place where we explore our wounds with our listeners and guests who recognize the challenges of being human in hopes of helping all of us let let the the light light in. in. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Wounded Healers podcast. Janessa, how are you? I'm good, Amy. Um, Off air, I was just telling Amy that I've been behind by a couple years, but I finally found Midnight Sun at Target. (laughs) So shout out to Twilight Saga. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I got very excited because it took me back to lockdown where I read the whole of Midnight Sun in one afternoon. Um, And I remember it so well, like laying. I, I actually think I might have been in a bit of an RA flare up at the time. So I was literally laying flat on my bed because I couldn't sit up anymore because I'd been reading for so long. (laughs) Just reading my Kindle flat on my back. I couldn't put it down because, yeah, there was a 14 or 15 year old inside me that was just beside herself with joy that she was finally getting Edward's point of view. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Stephanie Mayer, for finally deciding to give it to us. We appreciate you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Amy has like a surprise kind of for me. So I'm very excited. Amy's like, I have an idea of how this podcast episode's going to go. I'm like, we've known the topic, but mm. we're recording. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is it? <laughs> the suspense. Mm. So we, if you are listening to this person of the future, I have probably just turned 30. So it's going to be my 30th birthday on the 23rd of April. Um, So I'm I'm pretty sure this will be coming out the week after that. But um, yeah, and I thought it would be a good time to take a moment to reflect. And I've come up with 30 things I've learned in 30 years um because apparently in my mind when you get to 30 you're full of valuable wisdom (laughs) that you you must share with everyone um so my idea for the podcast was I will read out my 30 things and then Janessa things that interest if you can like make a note of the ones that particularly interest you and then we can like dive into them. Like if if one resonates with you or just if you want to hear more about my thoughts about it and then we can spend the rest of the episode diving into the individual ones that you think are worth exploring more. Uh, I love that. Let me get my pen ready. Let's do a little click. There you go, listeners. <laughs> pen is out. Book is out. I love this. All right. And then I just want to do a shout out to 13 going on 30. So Amy's going to be 30, flirty, and thriving. So exciting. <laughs> All right, Amy. I found a blank piece of paper. I'm stoked. Okay. <laughs> exciting. Because when I was writing these, I was like, this podcast is going to be three minutes long <laughs> while, I, <laughs> while I read out my list of things. <laughs> um, okay, fine. Let's go for it. 30 things I've learned in 30 years. Number one filter your water number two 
If it costs you your peace, it's too expensive. Number three, there will be many different versions of you. Number four, you are allowed to change your core values. Number five, it's healthy and important to feel and express yourself fully. Number six, it's really hard to feel and express yourself fully. Number seven, life's value lies in the little things. Number eight, these hard times, this pain, these lessons will one day be your strength, your awareness, and your blessings. Number nine, ignore everything men say and notice everything they do. Number 10, people can only understand from their own level of perception. Number 11, the obstacle is the way. Number 12, operate as if there is no problem unless someone tells you there's a problem. Number 13, life is precious because it's finite. Number 14, you must forgive yourself. Number 15, complaining really is a waste of time. Number 16, the best way to build confidence is to have a stack of undeniable proof that you are who you say you are. Number 17, hardly anyone knows anything. (laughs) Number 18, beauty ideals are completely fabricated and they keep us spiritually and financially poor. Dismiss them as often as you can. Number 19, parents are wonderful, messy human beings too, and there is so much to gain from trying to understand them better. Number 20, you should never have to make an excuse on your boyfriend's behalf. Number 21, do not take your nine to five so seriously. 22, Building a simple life of contentment is something you can be extremely proud of. 23. So much of what you think you want is just marketing or social conditioning and it's designed to keep you spending. 24. Learning to resist will keep you in your power. 25. Your vulva is cute just as it is. 26. Buy less, but better. 27, food should be enjoyed, not feared. 28, you don't need willpower to resist something that you don't want. 29, life without alcohol is more crisp and vibrant than a Sauvignon Blanc could ever be. 30, the people we've lost aren't really gone oh my god Amy I legit wow all of those damn I kept <laughs> feeling like I don't even know how to explain it it just was like a mental orgasm I was like oh my god that's so good and I was like oh my god that's so good. wow it's still good <laughs> it's still going like <laughs> I literally those are beautifully written out and like my page is actually I'm gonna show you guys can't see it is completely full and I was like you can't write down every number can you so um yeah to the listeners I hope I picked some good ones but because I was literally writing down like 
every other number i was like oh my god this one this one um beautifully done i cannot wait to get to 30 because i hope i will have as much wisdom as you have in these um oh my gosh i wanted to start with oh number two what costs you your peace like oh my gosh like what are I'm so curious because I love little stories from mm-hmm. people's lives because I just feel like stories just go back to the most human aspect of just being around each other in more of like a tribal setting or mm. space gathering. And yes. like we learn from each other's stories before they were meant to be extravagant or try and be more ego-like, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're like, uh-huh. Very true. before every story you tell is trying to prove something to someone or sell yourself in some way. Yeah, completely. 100%. So I want to hear a story of like what when younger Amy experienced their piece kind of at stake in Mm -hmm. a time maybe when you like let it cost you your piece and then maybe a time when you were able to choose your piece over what you're going through. Oh, wow. I love that. So what this comes from for me is is literally money. So when I was younger, I didn't go to uni or college, as you would say. Um, so I went straight into like full-time work and I was obviously quite excited at the time to be like 18 and have an actual salary, which obviously it was not very much money, but like at the time I was like, oh my God, I've never had so much money in my life. Um, But, you know, I was very young, didn't know what to do with it. And I also think I really felt I had something to prove because ultimately deep down, I did feel insecurity of the fact I'd chosen not to go to uni. And I was like, oh, I've got to show everyone that I'm doing really well for myself and et cetera. And I just had really bad spending habits and I would spend all of my money on stuff I didn't need you know clothes and bags mostly but beauty products just ever just I was just consuming so hard and I got into a point where I would be so worried about it and so crippled by how much I was spending and like being in my overdraft all the time and it just being like a snowball effect that it really did cost me my peace and I think I would yeah it would just be amazing to go back now I'm very envious of people that have like a natural way with money where they invest like you know I like think back to little me and I'm like oh my god if you had just invested some of that money you would have so much money now um but yeah that is where it comes from is is a from a literal financial sense wow wow yeah that's I think that is going to be really refreshing to hear and very relatable and um so no that's really refreshing to hear Amy because at least I don't really know I can't speak for other like examples in different cultures but at least in the U.S. where I live money is like a very weird weird topic to bring up Mm -hmm. and I think Mm -hmm. it really depends also on the microclimate and also just like your family your upbringing but 
money was something that like was so hush hush in my family. Like I never really knew like how much we had growing up or how much we didn't have until it became apparent through actions like, oh, okay, we are not doing really good right now. Or when I got into high school, it was like, oh, my parents are a bit more stable, you know, at this time. So I think it can absolutely cost you your peace. And I'm glad you said that. I feel like it shouldn't have to be a act of bravery to talk about how we can be swindled so easily financially, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it really is because people are not talking openly and honestly about that still to this day. They're not. And people are getting into crazy debt Mm -hmm. trying to keep up appearances. And I see it all the time. People, I don't know why I say I see it all the time. Like I work in some sort of field where I like some people have money. <laughs> I don't at all. Um, but you know, people like getting these crazy cars on finance that they just don't need, and going on holidays that they don't need to go on, and just buying the next thing all the time, mm-hmm. and just we're just getting into debt, and like it's so it really is so unnecessary it's just so unnecessary the amount of spending and the amount of keeping up we try and do so yeah it's really ingrained in my head now that nothing is nothing is as valuable to me no no material good is as valuable to me as the peace that I feel in my heart like going to bed knowing that everything's okay with my finances yeah there is a book and I will post in the show notes because I can't recall the author off the top of my head, but it's called It's Not Your Money. And it's a more of like a spiritual look at finances and recognizing that money is really a currency of saying thank you. So if we look at it as when we give someone our money for their services or something that they've provided for us, it's our way of monetizing a thank you. Like, thank you so much for this product. So It doesn't feel like a thank you when you're buying from large companies, right? Because you don't know who you're thanking. You're like, Mm -hmm. okay, clearly the people who made this piece aren't being thanked enough. Um, But when you buy locally or if you go to a farmer's market here or like a festival, you do feel that because you meet the person you're thanking them for their service in that way. So it goes over the energetics and then Mm -hmm. it says something that blew my mind. It's like when we die, which everyone will – you are not going to take your money with you. And so it's really not even yours. It stays in this field. It stays in the physical plane. So mm-hmm. it's best to think like, okay, do I really need this thing? Because the things are not coming as well. It's the experiences I feel like yes. leave an imprint. Yes, that resonates so much. Like you you can't take your things with you when you go. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there is no point in them. There's no point in flashy cars. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yes. And then, okay, so let me take a peek here. So I'm sorry, you read them so beautifully and I was trying to absorb them. So I just wrote next three plus four. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Love, love. <laughs> yes. So yeah, these these do kind of go together. I'm glad you spoke about both of them because it was, there will be many different versions of you and you are allowed to change your core values mm-hmm. and I think this is something I I feel like I'm going to start every sentence in this podcast being like, this is something I've learned <laughs> because that's literally the whole concept of this. Um, but yeah, so you are going to change the more you, the more people you meet in your life and the more experiences you have. And I have a tendency to be quite, um, 
quite stubborn, but also quite like in this day and age of my life, I feel like I've got quite like morally rigid and I feel like I can be quite like, this is wrong and this is right. And if you've done that, then that's the wrong thing to do. And I'll judge either myself or someone else for doing that. Um, But I think we have to accept or I have to accept that things are going to look right sometimes and look wrong sometimes and my opinion on what that is can change and that's a really important part of having good relationships with people is understanding the the cycles of our personalities and our values and that's that is a way to make sure you're keeping that the people that you cherish in your life by accepting the way that they're going to change and being open to what they're going to teach you as well as they change and learn. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because it's, I think of, so I have a very close friend who um, transitioned to um, non-binary and um, they were so nervous to tell me, first of all, that they were not straight. And I was like, I know. And I love you. Like I've always known, you know, but like, it also is very interesting that, you know, there is a part of people who I think they really grasp onto an older version of you. Mm -hmm. And it, when we do that, we don't allow the people we love to like grow into who they are fully. Mm -hmm. Um, and that person can feel really stifled to keep up with that version that you know of them. And so it was just really beautiful. This friend, um, they know, they know who they are. You know who you are. I love you. Anyway, <laughs> so they like they just really have blossomed into who they are, and like mm. I see them now just as as they are, as non-binary and beautiful and just revolutionary and just uh. ugh, I'm almost brought to tears right now. But like uh. watching someone have the courage, have the strength to decide I don't need I don't owe it to anybody to please anybody Mm -hmm. to remain Mm -hmm. this old version of me that no longer serves me is so liberating to see yeah Yeah. so I've just watched them flourish and live their best life and they're hot as hell and I'm like oh get it so yeah you can always grow into a version of yourself you owe no one a version of you yeah I love that emotional oh you can say No, this is, I feel like some of these are emotional because we are talking about, you know, life's meaning, essentially, we're getting into like some deep stuff. So it's, yeah, yeah, I think it's really natural to feel emotional when you, you, when you think about these like life affirming things. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, moving on from that, I was just, you also made me think about how when we're with certain people, we find ourselves like reverting back to mm-hmm. versions of ourselves we used to be or like aligning with things that don't align with us anymore because the other person that's what the other person that you're with believes and stuff like that so yeah yeah it's really good to build that acceptance for mm-hmm. both yourself and other people exactly yeah. as you said yeah absolutely and then the other thing too is it's like I'm still working on this. Sometimes mm-hmm. I revert in front mm-hmm. of my family to an mm-hmm. older version of myself that I know is less controversial. Yeah. And I the thing I love about my family is like we don't have the same views on things. Yeah. We, re- we really don't. And the wild part is 
my mom and I have very different views on life right now, very different, almost like to the core different views on things. But at the end of the day, the thing I appreciate is like we've spoken about why we feel the way we feel individually and we've just agreed to respect that for each other mm-hmm. and hold space. Nice. So at the end of the day, it does come back to love. But for a long time, I kept mm-hmm. finding myself kind of shriveling into this old version of myself to avoid conflict with her and Mm -hmm. now we don't avoid it we talk about our conflict and we hug it out at the end that's amazing yeah Yeah, good good you do Mm -hmm. yeah you have to be able to build that with people it's really Mm -hmm. important yeah yeah oh well thank you I feel like that was really beautiful I got a good little cry in which also like my friend I was talking about they will love that because they're like they're a cancer for uh, astrology and they're so good with their emotions. And I, I like hold it in all the time. And I'm like, I'm not going oh. to cry. And now I'm like, I'm going to cry. Cool. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh. That's a, I should have. That's number 31, to be honest. I didn't add it on the list. Mm-hmm. But cry as much as you need to whenever you need to. Stop holding yeah. your tears in. Because I yeah. do it too. And it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. The next one I have here, Amy. And again, I didn't right by what it was but I put number eight as the next one I want to have you elaborate on yes um so this one I have to clarify this is not my own words this is a quote that I have seen before um it does not I would do not I cannot credit the person that said it but um this is how I think about my RA honestly is so number eight was these hard times this pain these lessons will one day be your strength your awareness and your blessings and the the most important word in here for me is awareness because that is exactly what RA built up for me and I feel like if you follow rheumatoid girls and stuff you probably know that I have this like narrative of my RA that it really like woke me up to stop being this like vain self-obsessed like judgmental person because I hadn't really experienced hardship in the same way that my RA was for me and it just it like taught me I feel like everything that's good about me basically I'm sure that's not true but um yeah so that that awareness word and of course strength we know it, how much going through hard times builds your resilience and makes you stronger, etc. Um, and also blessings because mm-hmm. of all the amazing that I mean, I see sitting here today recording this podcast with you as a blessing, and that's something that wouldn't wouldn't exist if it wasn't for my RA. So yeah, that so that whole quote, it really just sums up my whole experience of being diagnosed with RA. Wow. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. And it's such a, I feel like that is going to maybe help someone who's listening right now, because Mm -hmm. I think it's so hard in the beginning of the journey to think of anything good that could come out of this. But there, there is a lot of not necessarily good, but like quality, valuable things that will come out of this experience and experiences. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think value is a great is a great word there because I do try to avoid the toxic positivity <laughs> yes <laughs> yes literally I was like <laughs> I was I've been talking to my therapist about about this about how 
like how I just make I just wrap everything up with her but it's okay though and I well like my first session with her I was like this happened to me this has happened to me and like this is currently happening to me and that's okay though and she she was literally like no it's not (laughs) and I was like oh shit yeah like I just have a real thing about just wrapping everything up with a smile or a laugh um so yeah, I'm I'm literally I'm so guilty of toxic positivity. Um, but yeah, it really it really does. There is definitely a way. There's definitely power in looking at the negative things that have happened to you and finding the value in them. That mm. I can say with certainty. Yeah. Definitely. Wow. All right. Well, on to number nine because the next <laughs> couple are just <laughs> one after the other. I was like, damn, damn. Okay, keep going. Like. <laughs> um yes I love that you've picked this one out because I was like it's kind of like a bit shady but we love talking about our experiences experiences in relationships Mm -hmm. so yeah number nine was ignore everything men say and notice everything they do Mm -hmm. and I think this is just the it's so it's so hard to do it's such simple advice but it is so hard to do Um, but I just, it's over years of relationships, it's just become evident to me that people can say anything that they want. Mm -hmm. And if they don't back it up with actions, then it's, then they're not truly in it, but someone can be really quiet in their affection, but have acts of service to you that show you how much they value you you know Mm -hmm. and I just yeah I would say this to any child I have in the future that is interested in dating cis men cis heterosexual men (laughs) that (laughs) ignore everything they say and focus on everything that they do yeah yeah that is super powerful actions speak louder than words that saying Mm -hmm. comes to mind and like they totally do and also it's interesting though because I feel like if you pay attention sometimes to the words that they're saying a lot of the times people project onto other people things they're insecure about so it really has nothing to do with you and especially in a partnership where people are trying to be intimate sometimes people get really defensive and it's not your problem this is something they need to work on Mm -hmm. but um they can like say things like, oh, you should be doing this. But really that's a reflection of an insecurity on their end that they're not able to do that for you or they're not able to fully be there for themselves in that way. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. I love I love that. And so often I feel like our closest relationships are where the worst of us come out. Mm-hmm. And that's it's because you are so intimate with someone and being, having someone who makes you force yourself to be intimate with yourself and this is like I mean this in a non-sexual way I'm doing an awful job of articulating what I mean but you know someone that really forces you to feel and try and understand how you're feeling for people that aren't emotionally developed like that can be really affronting and can cause a lot of problems and I don't mean to whitewash all straight men, but a lot of straight men in our generation aren't particularly emotionally developed. Yeah, and I, yeah. and that can 
that can impact their relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And whole nother episode with hopefully someone who's male identifying on, but like really like I think at least where I live societally, like we don't talk about men's emotions. Mm-hmm. Oh my at god. All. At all. Yeah. No, not at all. So um it's a tricky thing probably for people to navigate if they don't have good examples or literature mm-hmm. that even really talk about emotions. Yeah, it's so yeah. true. I wish there was more, you know, like in so I don't know if you have him in the States, but in the UK there's um like an online personality called James Smith who makes loads of videos about like he's a personal trainer and he makes loads of videos about like that and I just all of these men that are in like the public eye I feel like they could do such a wonderful job of talking about their emotions and leading in that way but they just continue to talk about a I don't even know shark attacks. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> shark week every week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh man. Well, yes. Yeah. To any of our male identifying listeners, we hope you have someone who allows you to experience your emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Well, I have the next one. I have Amy is number ten. Number 10. And all I wrote, all I had time to write because my brain was like just wrapping around all these beautiful things was perception. So I don't remember what this was, but I put perception. So this is people can only understand from their own level of perception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this is a really important thing too. It's I mean it's it leads on really nicely to what you were just saying, actually, but people are only comprehending what you're going through or what you're saying or what your experience is through their own basis of the things that they've experienced in their life. And sometimes that means it's basically impossible for someone to get on your level. And this literally ranges from like values to food, like literally anything that you can be talking about with someone. Mm -hmm. And it can feel as though maybe you've offended them or they're offending you by not understanding you and I think it's a really helpful thing to hold on to that it's just some so there are some things people just can't comprehend and mm-hmm. it's not and it's not their fault it's just that that's their life experience totally yeah I'd agree with that 100 percent. and then like even to break it down more like I've had experiences with people who are very intelligent and it has nothing to do with like being more of a, an intelligent or sentient being than someone else mm-hmm. but it just is it really just is just different paths in life yeah um but no I think that's really important too because the other thing is that speaking of like being able to grow and flourish into your newer self newer version mm-hmm. it's easy for people to how will I word this it's easy for people to fall in love with like, an illusion of someone or an illusion mm-hmm. of something and I think mm-hmm. that people do that without realizing they're doing it. And so if you only have a certain amount of these core experiences that have created the lens that you're seeing the world through, Mm -hmm. sometimes you are seeing people in the way you want to see them. That's really Mm -hmm. how we see things. Uh, Yes. And the way you want to see them may not be the way that they see themselves or the way that they want the world to see them. And so it can be very difficult when someone's saying, you know, 
well, I see it this way. And you're like, all right, but like, don't you see all these things, you know? And like, it can be frustrating and it can, you know, have a lot of emotions come up. But really, I think you're right. Some people just, you know, people are different. We're not all meant to be the same, but at the same time, neither of those people should be responsible for holding the other back in any Mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And leading on from that, you aren't responsible for how other people feel and other people aren't always responsible for how you feel either mm-hmm. you know like you you can have a disagreement with someone and you have to look at the way you've digested what they've said and being like mm-hmm. have I taken this on fairly or have I used my own judgment here to have a reaction and can I do better I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's a really questioning yourself on the way that you're receiving things from people is a really powerful act that not enough of us do yeah yeah there was someone who a long time ago asked me I think it's like a philosophical question so I don't think they made it up but they said like how do you know what you know and they had me Ooh. journal on it and it like came down to like I don't know how I fucking know any of this shit because I'm like my mom school like yeah, this yeah. this experience and I'm like well where do they get it from and then you just go into a little bit of a rabbit hole there but wow, it's a really yeah. great ex- exercise because it's like oh yeah how do I know that's right yeah and it turns out it's not always all right of, yeah all of our views are so fucking biased <laughs> like, yes. with yeah and it is no oh. it's no wonder we have this polarity and all of this like mm-hmm. discontent between people because the world we think the world's getting bigger it's actually getting smaller because the algorithm mm-hmm. just keeps serving us more and more of the niche of what we're interested in mm-hmm. until we're going to be at the point where we only know what the tic- what the tiktok algorithm is teaching us um uh-huh. yeah yeah you got to question what you believe in you got to question mm-hmm. if how other people make you feel is them or if it's you yeah I can say the yeah. yeah. And then, oh, I have one more thing to add in there. Yeah. But I've always, okay, this relates what you're saying about question, how other people feel or and how you feel. But I have always like identified as someone who really picks up on other people's emotions. Nice. And, um, and a lot of the times I have like these emotions, like I'll walk past someone and I'll, I'll like feel like frustrated or angry. And like, mm. it's someone I don't even know. And I'm not frustrated or angry at them. It's just, I feel it. Yes. And, um, there's a word for this and it's totally escaping my mind, but you're not, you're an empath. Empath. That's the word. Yeah. yeah. It's a, I feel, I've always felt this way since I was a little kid. And, um, it's just strange. It's because someone asked me recently, are you upset right now? Or are, is that someone else's emotions? Are those yours or are those someone else's? Because a lot of the times I've, am easily uh, impacted by a variety of emotions I'm around. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, so I stop now and I'm like, hold up. Are these even mine? Am I actually hurt right now? Or did I just experience someone in a state of hurt and now I'm carrying that for them? Um, wow. Even though it's not necessarily going to help them that I carry it for them. So mm-hmm. I don't need to take that on. So yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of the times questioning like, is this mine? Is this even mine? You know, <laughs> it's like, no. Not today. Nice. That's so amazing. Did you say it was your friend that taught you that? Yeah. I have a friend that taught me that. And it was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's number 32. 
Oh my yes. goodness. The list just keeps like getting longer. I love, <laughs> so it. I love it. <laughs> well, okay. So the next one you're going to laugh because we're going by sequence until after this one, we skip a few, but number 11. <laughs> Number 11, please. Yeah, no, this is, I'm so glad you asked about this because this is one of my favorite quotes of all time. Like this is one of my my favorite concepts. So the obstacle is the way, this is the title of a book. I have not read the book, <laughs> but, but I know that it's the title of a book. And what this essentially means, it's this concept has been rewritten over and over again by different philosophers but it is essentially the concept of like the hardest thing is the thing you need to do to like gain the most and I think that's been yeah Mm -hmm. written out many times all of all of the famous quotes are now leaving me but I completely find this in that the 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 last thing I want to do is the thing that's going to have the most benefit to me and it's just and it that can be in like in a practical sense but also the more you tackle the obstacles in your life the more you're going to build up your character and your particularly your confidence so Mm -hmm. the more you just take on these hard things whether you achieve them or not um you just start to genuinely rate yourself more because you're like I I face into the things that I'm not necessarily scared of but things that are difficult for me and I don't I don't just sit back and say I can't do it so yeah I love it it goes across everything from like taking good care of yourself to going for like a job that you think you're underqualified for you know everything just the obstacle is the way I think I say it in my head multiple times a week is interesting because I think a lot of people crave comfortability Mm. and I think it's easy to become almost I don't I know this is a very strong word to use but I think it is easy to become kind of addicted to just doing what you're comfortable with Mm -hmm. and that kind of builds into a monotonous kind of experience of just re- reliving things over and over again and it kind of dulls down the experience of being human which is like constantly having to peel back the layers of what you're going through yes that's so I completely agree with you and I do get worried um about talking about these sorts of things because I always mm-hmm. get concerned that people are going to be triggered and if mm-hmm. you if you if complacency and like comfort and chilling that is also totally valid and Mm -hmm. I don't want anyone to misinterpret this as me being like you must push yourself at all times (laughs) yes (laughs) because that's not not a philosophy of mine like far Mm -hmm. um but it's just that doing the hard thing Mm -hmm. yeah can have benefits for you definitely yeah and even like hard as in like because I I think people are probably thinking like these huge huge life things but even just something like for me sometimes it's just a hard thing to be like all right I have to pull my car into the garage at night to park and I don't want to do it and if I don't do it it's like "Eh, okay and then I'll kind of regret it so like 
mm-hmm. that moment, that feels a little hard for me. But the next day, I feel great about mm-hmm. having parked in the garage. So it also doesn't have to be gigantic things. It's no. going to be small things and be like, all right, I did it. I did it. Yeah. yeah. It is mm-hmm. the small things. It's the small mm-hmm. obstacles and the compound effect of you constantly being able to go over those obstacles. That is the yeah. way. Yeah. I love Yes. Love it. Oh, love, love. <laughs> okay, so that was number eleven. Now we skip I skipped a few. It was hard for me to do this because I wanted to write everything down. <laughs> but the next one I have down is number fourteen, and I managed to just scribble forgive yourself. So mm. I want to go into that. Oh my god. I mean, yeah. So this number fourteen was you must forgive yourself and mm this is advice that I continually need to give to myself because I am up at night thinking about the ways that I wronged people when I was 17. (laughs) And I wish I was, I wish I was exaggerating, but I'm not like, if, if, (laughs) if you asked me to like, just list out all the things that I've achieved in my life, I would struggle. But if you asked me to list out all the genuinely bad things I've done, I would be able to reel them off so quickly. And it's mm-hmm. because I, I do spend my time feeling guilty about those things that I've done, but there's nothing I can do about them now. Like they're in the past mm-hmm. and I've got away pretty much. <laughs> I'm scared. It makes me sound like I've like murdered someone I haven't, but like, <laughs> but you know, like nothing, yeah nothing but nothing there hasn't been any like serious um repercussions from god or anyone on the ways that i have hurt people generally when i was also hurting myself um i think that's been part of like forgiving myself is realizing that nearly all the times when i've done something that i deem as wrong i've haven't been in a balanced healthy mental state um but yeah the moral of that one basically is you can't constantly feel guilt for the actions of your past self because there's nothing you can do about it now and going over it doesn't help anyone so you have to forgive yourself yeah yeah totally and then the other thing is not that it Not that it writes off all the wrong things we've done, you know, in our lives, but also like we were saying at that age, like our perception of the world was so, Mm -hmm. so much smaller, Mm -hmm. so much more finite. And the, the media that we were seeing at that age, like movies, like Mean Girl, all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. which I love the movie Mean Girl, by the way, Um, it's very funny, but like things like that were so pertinent here when I was growing up that there is almost a culture around being a bitch to each other. Mm-hmm. And I don't think bitch is like a bad thing all the time anymore. I think that's been reclaimed, but I just mean it as in not supporting other people who identify as women yeah. or young girls and seeing mm-hmm. each other as competition instead of yes. as just, you know, here yeah. as people. So it's, yeah, yeah, I have vivid memories. This will literally haunt, this will haunt, I'll take this to my deathbed. But there was a guy at school that my friend really fancied mm-hmm. and he fancied me and I fancied him. And like I was talking to him when we had MSN at the time, but I was talking to him a lot on MSN. And it wasn't like a, um, you know, a sly 
sneaky thing we we just liked mm-hmm. each other and my, I remember my friend when I told her like she was just so gracious about it and she was like well no like if you guys yeah. like each other then I wouldn't want to stand in the way of that but she'd honest she'd spent ages like telling me how much she liked him you know and like her telling honestly (laughs) Debbie I'm sorry I still think about it you probably don't even remember like you probably don't even remember that you fancied him um maybe you do and you you're (laughs) please accept my (laughs) apology now (laughs) but yeah honestly like yeah you I learned from that and yeah, yeah you you're know. telling me that and I don't I'm like oh, I don't want to tell you what I did in fucking middle school oh <laughs> yeah, <my sorry>. God. <laughs> no that's a minor that's a minor I've done some okay. others okay, yeah a few because I was like wow okay <laughs> like yes yes yeah, so that can be no. that can be hard but yeah no. I was I'll put it this way in middle school prank calling was like a huge thing so we like <gasps> prank called this one guy at our school and we like pretended oh god it was so, oh, i can't god. even talk what? about it no. we just pretended to be these like hot high school girls but we we're in like middle school and we we're like oh my god she meet us at the mall and then he actually went to the mall and we were there and we we're like oh no it happened and yeah it's just yeah that was awful you guys <laughs> young janessa i don't really know where i got half the shit i got like some things were just like straight up like i'm like that was just mean that was like not even funny. yeah it was just mean now they look back at it and so yeah. I'm so sorry, Elliot. That was a guy. So <laughs> if you, I don't even know where he is in the world now, but bless him. I hope he's had the best of luck and not prank called anymore. Yay for caller ID. I love that this has just turned into uh, a confession. confession tapes. <laughs> yes. Actually, that'd be a good episode. Confession tapes. I've got, I've got more, folks. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I'm, not, I'm not ready for that. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not ready for that. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Wow. Okay. Yes. So we can forgive ourselves and we also have to just hold compassion for our younger selves because all the time we didn't know any better. And yes. And then now that we know better, we, you know, we do better and that's, that's progress. So yes. Um, okay. So the other one I wanted to go through is number, um, 16. Um, and I can't read my handwriting. All I see is proof yes, in no. there. I don't know what I was trying to write. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, again, I'm so glad you asked about this one because this is another favorite of mine, like the obstacle is the way. So I saw this quote the other day on um, Instagram. The quote is, the best way to build confidence is to have a stack of undeniable proof that you say that you are who you say you are oh my God, this is just like everything to me. The, I mean, that sounds a bit sad, but, <laughs> but just that it's just so true that no putting into action what you think you need to do to be who you want to be is, is the best way to build confidence because there's, there's no room for self-doubt left in your mind. Mm. You're like, I, I want to be like this, so I'm going to take all of these actions and you will be like that if you take those actions, you know, it's just the most like empowering, empowering quote to me. Mm, I love that. Yeah. 
And also, you know, it's interesting when you're saying like undeniable proof in there. I have this box of like little things people have said from the retreat. I like go back and read the index cards. Oh, yeah. And I also have oh like God, little yes. things from like notes that like past like friends from college have written me or like cards. And whenever I feel mm. like so shitty, I just go back and look at them and I'm like, you know yes. what? No, people, people have felt what it's like to be in my presence as I've felt what it's like to be in theirs. And like, I feel like that just helps me get through and also makes me feel like it's undeniable that like, yes, if, if I want to be seen as loving, compassionate, but also someone who can have deep conversations and other people can recognize that, that feels good for me. Yes. Oh my God. You're so right. You are so right about the, um, those notes from the retreat oh my god like they hit me like nothing else I think we were all very emotional and interconnected by the end of that retreat weren't we and yeah the things that the rest of you saw in me were like ugh, so magical to me like yeah that was amazing um yeah I love that I love that total tactic of having like a keepsake of things where people have given you good feedback. I actually have this card that um, someone that I was like a, he was like a uni placement student where I used to work. And he wrote me such a sweet card about like my mentorship of him. And that's like still in the drawer. And I do sometimes whip that out as well. It's lovely. It's such a great practice. Love that. And then so moving along here, so we, I have number 18 as my next one. And the thing I jotted down next to it was beauty. Yes. Oh my God. Like, again, we could probably do a whole podcast on this, mm-hmm. um, but it's something I'm getting into more and more. And so, sorry to, to refresh. It was beauty ideals are completely fabricated and they keep us spiritually and financially poor. Mm-hmm. Dismiss them as often as you can. Um, and yeah, this is, so there is someone who sends out a newsletter. Let me grab her name. I think she's called Jessica Defino. I don't know if that rings any bells, but she is like a, she's a, she, she's like a beauty journalist. Um, she used to work in the beauty industry and she's like turned her back on it now. And she's got all the, um, all the details of the way that they, sell us shit that we don't need Mm -hmm. (laughs) just to boost the economy and she's been on podcasts and I I definitely recommend checking her out um but yeah it is just breathtaking the way kind of like from the 50s onwards our society just like latched on to hang on we can make money here from women's insecurities and they just ran with it and I think it's getting the scale of it is just getting completely out of control Mm -hmm. now um but yeah literally everything every single insecurity you have is based off of a group of people deciding that people should look a certain way and then bombarding our grandmothers and our mothers and us with if you don't look like this you should try to yeah <laughs> for what for what reason mm-hmm. <laughs> for what reason the reason is because they can make money off of us doing it um 
but it's so sad to think of generationally how relationships between mothers and daughters have been like damaged by these beliefs Mm -hmm. completely unnecessarily like honestly the more I'm talking about it the more I think we should do an episode on it because I could go on and on yeah because then there's yeah because when we do an episode on that I'd love to elaborate on like because I'm not fully um Caucasian yes (laughs) like there's been a lot growing up where I I mean I still have dyed hair but I do it for different reasons now but I wanted to be white so bad and I grew up very tan I had very brown eyes. My dad's straight from Mexico. Like, and I just couldn't become this it girl, this blue eyed, blonde haired, like, thing that was being represented everywhere. So I'd love to do an episode on that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Janessa, you are so beautiful. Like, I I hate, I hate that people, I, I mean, I hate that I am Caucasian and broadly fit into the ideals. Well, I mean, I don't hate that. Obviously, it's a massive privilege. But like, I just I don't know what to do with myself when there's been so many women in my life that have expressed something like that to me. And I'm like, you're so goddamn beautiful. But I feel like I like I feel like those words aren't warranted from me because I don't know what it's like to be in in everyone else's shoes. But I'm just like, I wish you could see how stunning you are to me. Because you are. Can you see me? Oh, yeah. And yeah, um, all that all that Mexican stuff about you is what makes you so magical to me. Oh, thank you, girl. Uh, I that. <laughs> but yeah, we should definitely do an episode on that. But let's go to number 19. I put parents and this one kind of I put a star mm. near it, which meant like, oh, like, yes. Yes. Um, so this is probably something a lot of people entering their 30s can relate to. So this was parents are wonderful, messy human beings too. And there's so much to gain from trying to understand them better. Mm. Um, And I think it's as you move into your full adulthood, you know, as you like come to the end of your 20s, your the age your parents were when they were having I mean again this is I'm speaking from my own experience like my mom had her first baby when she was 30 Mm -hmm. so I'm fully kind of it's kind of come full circle um and being now the age she was when she became a mother I have a whole new understanding of her perception of the world at that time um, and I think also it's just spending more time with your parents. I've obviously known my parents for 30 years now. I know so many more details about them and their personality and their life and particularly their struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think it's that transition from seeing them as like have, having your parents on a pedestal of you are my caretakers and you should really try and do no wrong because I'm looking up to you um now I'm not so much looking up to them I I am in many ways but I'm also just kind of like on their level now and I just I see them for who they are I don't see them like as my parents I see them as individuals Mm. and um I mean there's just obviously so much of them is me so the more I get to know them the more I can understand things about myself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. Humans are interesting, messy, 
beautiful, mm-hmm. loving, mm-hmm. terrible, all the all in yeah. one. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like parents are, there's no exception there. Like, you know, it's just is yeah. like people are people and it's hard to imagine our parents as um, who they were before they had us and let alone who they were before mm-hmm. they met whoever our other parent is if we know them, you know? So it's yeah. it's wild to think they had a whole childhood. They had a whole like teenage years. Um, yeah. yeah. It's pretty wild. And those stories are something I cherish oh. when my mom shares that with me and really my grandma does too. I have a really good connection with my grandmother and hearing her tell me stories about she grew up in Baltimore, which is on the East Coast. So just stories of Baltimore and like mm-hmm. I just not the not the Baltimore from Hairspray. Yes. Baltimore from hairspray. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> my grandma is from Baltimore. And so, you know, my grandma just has these like wild stories of like how just crazy it was growing up there because it was so segregated and like it just yes. was a very icky, gross experience growing up in that area at that time. And it's like I forget that my grandma decided I'm not gonna be here anymore and like moved herself all the way to California to be in more of a liberal place and then she like my grandma's a poet I love her so much and she like (gasps) was on hate street and she wrote in like these newspaper journals during this huge hippie revolution and like I just yeah my grandma has amazing stories my mom does too but it's like so wild to think like oh my god you've had this you've had so many that that's Mm -hmm. what I'll say each of us I hope for each of us that we will have many little lifetimes within our one big lifetime. Yeah. I wish that for us. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I do get scared though because my grandma was the same. She married my grandpa within like six months of knowing him and they moved to Libya, which is in North Africa because he worked in – I think it was, I think I'm pretty sure it was something to do with like clearing the desert of landmines, but yeah, like, and so she just packed up and moved to Africa and had this amazing, amazing life there, like raised three boys in the desert and then like had to be evacuated back home again. It's just, and I'm like, that's just incredible. What a life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm just like, and now I just stare at my phone. (laughs) Yeah, they're her dancer. I'm like, oh man, what am I going to tell yeah. my grandkids? Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, here's a reel I made back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, yes, it's a, yeah. The getting to hear about all of their stories is the same. I'm the same as you. Like my mom has all these amazing stories too, and it's just um, yeah, we got a. I'm also, I think, conscious now that my time with them is running out more than it was before you know like obviously I hope they have many 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 good years left in them but they've got probably half the time they used to have when I was a child you know so it's something again obviously that's not something I spend too much time thinking about because no one wants to think about that but Mm -hmm. it's um yeah makes me value them all the more Mm -hmm. definitely brings you into the present with them Yes. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, I have to say this real quick before we move on to the next question. Mm-hmm. I had a professor who I really, really admire in college or in uni. I guess you'd say in the UK. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he was just amazing. And we had this um, seminar and he got almost emotional, but we were talking about the experience of like 
learning from our parents and he was talking about how our parents are just human beings and like then he said you know I want to flip this around because this is a psychology course you know and um he said I want to flip this and I want to tell you that like as a parent the greatest feeling I've ever felt in my entire life is having my child reach a point in their life where they are their own person and can turn back and now teach me like I'm not the teacher anymore she is and he's like it's such a gift to see something that was so precious become so strong and like independent and who they are and I was just like oh this human being like oh Bob Haft I would just go say his name Bob Haft best professor I've ever had in my life and just Yeah, he just got teary-eyed and he was just like, you know, if you choose to have kids, if that's what you want in your life, I hope you'll experience the time in which they get to turn around and then teach you. Oh oh. Oh my gosh, that's so, that has just floored me. That is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's such a good professor. And so, yes, yay, Bob Hatch. But okay, so we'll move (laughs) along here. But number 22 is the next one I wrote down and I put content. (laughs) (laughs) oh yes number 22 building a simple life of contentment is something you can be extremely proud of oh my god I meant to write contentment and I wrote content (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) sorry no that's you did kind of content and content felt the same (laughs) um (laughs) but yeah so this is a very grounding kind of sentence for me because again it's kind of looping back to what we were talking about earlier in the episode but the we see so much of like this is what achievement looks like this is what you should do with your life this is you know where you should be aiming and I think just we are we are overlooking how phenomenal it is to just have a like peaceful content life Mm -hmm. because for one there are millions of people around the world who do not get to have that I feel like we're in a tiny tiny um what's the word I'm looking for like tiny ecosystem type Mm -hmm. thing of uh, such a small amount of the world of being like potentially middle class I'm gonna call you middle class yeah, I'm not yeah, sure if no, you definitely. are but you seem mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you seem quite middle class I'm definitely quite middle class so you, you know like that whole like keeping up with the Joneses like that's that's such a which I just can't let myself get focused on that like middle class competitive bullshit mm-hmm. because really like having a roof over your head and food to eat and people that love you is, is an achievement in itself yeah in this world absolutely and also yeah. the contentment like part I think mm. often about when I was a little kid there was a lot of had a lot of traumatic experiences when I was a kid but I also had some really beautiful moments and like some things that stand out to me are like my family has this very very small cabin and it's not anything fancy it's like stuck in the 70s still um there's no internet it has one landline there's no tv it's just like you're fully present and there's this little river and like just kind of desert landscape around it too and so when I was there as a kid the best 
summers I ever had were between going to summer camp and just running around by this cabin with these other little kids who would come out in the summer and we would just like swim and run around and find bugs and just like and I just think of we had nothing at that time like we did not have a tv we didn't Mm -hmm. have anything and that was the most fun and present I think I ever was as a kid was in those moments and so I just think like I didn't need anything and like I still don't need any of this you know like need and want for me are are two you know very different things but it's sometimes Uh I trick myself saying like oh I need this when I'm gonna go buy something that's like yeah I don't need this I want this and like I can totally be happy without it you know Yes. And that's actually interesting. Like the fact that you've called that out because that was what 23 was, was so much of what you think you want is just marketing and social conditioning. And it like, I have to double, double question. That's not, that's not a phrase. I have to ask myself all the time, like, do you want this? Are you like filling some hole that doesn't really exist and that 99% of the time I'm filling a hole that doesn't even exist Mm -hmm. because I don't need it's just I've just seen messages about it all the time and yeah yeah it's just I really think that is such a if you can just leverage resisting buying shit or doing shit that's unnecessary I really think that is a massive key to unlocking a really happy life Mm -hmm. and it's and it's so hard to do because the the odds are stacked against us so high but yeah absolutely there is actually um a movie I want to I want to bring up it's from the early 2000s mm-hmm. and I loved this film it's ridiculous but it was called Josie and the Pussycats and I don't know if you ever saw it but it's about this girl oh, band and essentially it goes into like media and programming and it's a very kind of conspiracy like oh. but like they become this really famous band and they don't know that the producers like putting in um like uh, subliminal messages through their music so like all these girls who are listening to their band are like oh my god we have to go buy orange yeah. shirts like it's the new thing but like they're oh, being marketed yeah. this and there's like comes this moment where they realize like what the industry is doing to them and they like take they take off their like headphones at this big concert and like everyone else has these headphones on that are giving them subliminal messages through music and they take it off and they're like you don't need these and they like throw them down and then wow. everyone like is like not as swayed by the industry, but it's very like it's a really like s- silly movie. Like you guys, it's not serious, but like that stood out to me though when I saw that when I was younger. I was like, no, that can't be a thing. And then I looked into it. I was like, oh, that is a thing with like commercials and stuff. Uh, yes, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, it really yeah. The whole product placement mm-hmm. thing, like how they just slip it into TV programs and films yeah. and you're not even aware that it's an advert like oh god it's so fucking ingrained in everything we see like yeah Yeah. I love that Josie and the Pussycats I never saw it but it sounds like something I would have liked maybe movie night when you get here it's kind of it's definitely like a slumber party type vibe yes please (laughs) okay we'll move along here so number 20 I have my last like three so number 23 is uh what you think is what I wrote by it I'm not sure what I meant. By yeah, that. so I, I just I said that was um so much of what you think you want is just marketing oh, and social conditioning. Great. So we kind yeah, of we covered did. a flat one already. And then yeah. 25, I was like, yes, girl. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Yes. So 25 was your vulva is cute just as it is. And this (laughs) took me way too long (laughs) to accept my vulva. Um, But, you know, we, for anyone that listened to um, part two of the sex episode, we touched on porn, but we have just, anyone that's watched porn or grown up around porn, as sad as that is to say, but we have seen vulvas that like are just not real. Like mm-hmm. they are surgeried <laughs> to, to look not like a true representation of what vulvas look like. And it's so, so funny because I watched, um, there's something on Netflix called the Goop Labs. I love it. Which is, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow. I know she's a little bit um, controversial. She's a little bit polarized. Yeah, a bit, a bit polarizing, a bit controversial. Um, but she did this episode, which was, I mean, was it about vulvas? It, yeah, like, was it a whole episode. Yeah, it was amazing. And um, it was amazing. Yeah, and at the end of it, they just flashed up loads of images of like what vulvas really look like. And um, it can't believe I can't believe that it took me like that long to be like, oh my god, yeah, they all look so different and they're all normal and like, mm-hmm. yeah. And I just think like, your vulvas are just cute and like if you have one, you're lucky because they're so cute and <laughs> like, yes. I, and it's a, it's a privilege to be near your vulva at any point. Anyone that gets to be near your vulva, that's a massive privilege and you should be really proud of it no matter what it looks like it's just mm-hmm. yeah you should just love your vulva yeah, that that <laughs> show and when I was in college yes. there was a play that our college did every February called the vagina monologues I don't know if you guys uh, have that there but wasn't that in friends I swear I, someone I don't know because I never watched friends I know no. I know people are gonna oh, get okay. on me for that but <laughs> but it is a really famous play like it's done yes. all over the yeah. U.S. um and they added yeah. on to it to be more inclusive for people who identify as female now um, or identify as women because at that time when it was written, that just it, they didn't have that in there. So it's been modified, yeah. but it's just these beautiful monologues. It's women. Um, this one person went around the world and like interviewed women about how they feel about their vaginas. And it's women wow. from all over the world talking about it and like, there was just this one that was just so um there's just heartbreaking ones there's heartbreaking oh, things God. but then there's really yeah. beautiful things where like someone was like oh and I hated it and then like I finally you know fell in love with someone who just told me it's just the most beautiful thing mm-hmm. they've ever seen and then finally I couldn't mm-hmm. see it through a different lens and like it yes. is beautiful you know and so it's really yeah. that play tears laughter everything everything goes into that Oh my God, I'm going to have to try and see that. Then I have uh, number 27, you know, because I love nutrition so much. When you said this, I was like, oh, my heart is so happy you said that. Yes. So 27 was food should be enjoyed, not feared. Um, And again, I mean, gosh, probably this should be another episode Mm -hmm. as well, because I think we could both go into this topic, but I spent... A lot of my childhood being very free with food and really enjoying it. Like there's like an ongoing joke in my family that isn't a joke. It's just like a shared memory that at the end of like a Sunday. So in the UK, it's quite um, typical to have like a cheese board at the end of a Sunday roast, oh. like with your family. So And with the cheese board would be like 
crackers um oh it's like charcuterie? just like plain plain crackers yeah 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 it's like charcuterie but there's no meat in the UK it's just I mean you can get charcuterie with meat but after a Sunday dinner it's just cheese and crackers basically um and I used to just spread butter on a cracker and just sit at the table licking the butter off <laughs> yeah <laughs> just like enjoying myself and that's like a shared like fond memory of it people will love to bring that up um so yeah as a as a child I had a lot of freedom with food and then as a teen I really started to fear food and I would like be fairly restrictive with my eating which I mean is so 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 common um and then I would say got got a lot better in my early 20s and then after I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis I became very scared of food again mm-hmm. um for different reasons than I was in my teens but you know I've had an I've had an up and down relationship with food and how much I've feared it at different times in my life and ultimately a a learning that I have taken from all of that is that food should be enjoyed Mm -hmm. and not feared yes I love that I don't even need to add anything you said everything (laughs) yes 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 (laughs) and so my last I guess I had two more I'm sorry I thought I had one more but the last two was um, (laughs) so I have number 29 and then number 30 I wanted to go over Okay, again, these are quite, these are big ones. Um, So 29 was life without alcohol is more crisp and vibrant than a Sauvignon Blanc could ever be. Mm. Um, So again, probably got a lot of episodes coming out of this episode, but I was going to say I could probably do another whole episode on sobriety um, because I have been sober for coming up to 10 months now. Um, which I know on in the scale of a lifetime isn't particularly very long um but it's something that I'd been flip-flopping going back and forth with for a long time and just the ways in which my life and my health have improved without alcohol being part of it is just incredible mm -hmm. like the things that have changed the people that I've met the things I've had the confidence to do the way even like my RA symptoms have been honestly basically non-existent like and more than any of that it's just being sober and doing everything in your life without that safety net or that kind of that comfort blanket of being able to have a drink when you do it that's where like the crisp vibrancy comes from Mm -hmm. because it's like everything is in technical everything's in HD <laughs> there's none of that like hazy feeling it's just you're facing everything you're feeling everything um it's really fun so yeah there's there's been some good learnings for me coming out of my sober time thus far I love that we should definitely do an episode on that I feel like that will be really good for other people to hear too yeah okay I love it. We'll do that. We will do that shortly. Um, And then, yes, number 30, the people we've lost aren't really gone. And um, this is, yeah, so this is another one I kind of said earlier in this episode that up until being diagnosed with RA, I hadn't really experienced any hardship in my life. But 
the only other thing that I would really relate to hardship was the death of my granddad. Mm. And then since then, I've lost both of my grandmothers. So that, thank you. I mean, they all lived very long and happy lives. They're all amazing. They all lived to basically 90, like my grandparents were both 18, uh, sorry, my grandmothers were both 89 and my granddad was, I'm pretty sure he was over 90. So bodes well. Thanks for the genes, guys. Um, But um, yeah, definitely losing them and um, my experience of death. I have some quite specific beliefs. So I, I basically feel as though my grandmother and my granddad um, on my mum's side, I believe they still communicate with me um, through sending me um, symbols and messages and stuff like that. So I'm a, (laughs) I'm a, yeah, I'm a big believer that uh, we, yeah, people that have passed over can still communicate with us Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, that's something I've learned mm-hmm. through losing them is that people would never really go anywhere and you can still talk to them. And then on, on the flip side of that is I also, I just see them in myself and the people I love. And if you've lost people, they can be found in their energy that they've left behind as mm-hmm. well. Yes. It just goes to like the physics and science behind things like energy cannot be created nor destroyed and mm-hmm. so it has to mm-hmm. be somewhere we just don't know where and I believe it just is all around as well mm-hmm. yes yeah so do you Janessa are you into having messages and oh, is that something that I'm you believe I'm so glad or? you asked yes actually yeah. my family yeah. we <laughs> so you know what I I have to say I'm very nervous because I have not lost anybody in my family who I was significantly close with yet. Um, However, I have lost friends who um, passed away in college and that was very hard. Um, But those were based off of lifestyle choices that they uh, were living like high risk lifestyles. Um, So one of them overdosed really sadly at a party, but um, that, so that has been hard. Like that has been a loss, but I've not experienced loss on a level of like in my family. And I mm-hmm. am slightly scared because I know it has to happen. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, at least for my family, like we have discussions actively about what our symbol is going to be for each other. And so wow. my stepdad, his mom – um, loved uh, hummingbirds so she was going to her symbol is going to be hummingbird and it's very strange there's this little hummingbird that like it just makes no sense why it would be in front of the window at my parents house because there's just like no flowers right there but it hovers by the window when my stepdad's in the kitchen and I'm just wow. like and it's just known like okay that's that's Barbara yeah there she is you know yeah. and so my grandma who is still alive and I get to actually see her today for brunch. I'm so excited. (laughs) Hers is going to be an owl. My grandpa would like to be seen as like a blue heron. And Zach, um, we hope that, you know, in a perfect world, I hope we both pass away old, ripe, 
ages, you know? Yeah. But if we go, you know, sooner than we believe, Zach would like to be seen as a blue herring as well. And for me, I think yeah. I just – I go between, like, a, a butterfly, like a monarch, or, like, mm-hmm. something like a sloth, which is ridiculous. But, like, also, <laughs> I love sloths, so I'm like, mm, let's see. So, anyway. <laughs> so, we'll see. But, yeah, well, my family, we talk about the symbols that um, – that we want each other to see and I and I do I do love that because it's like ahead of time I know what they want Mm -hmm. to be seen yes I love that and you won't be guessing when the time comes Mm -hmm. um oh oh my god I'm so happy that you also share those beliefs and I just have to do a shout out for anyone who has lost someone um please watch both um Tyler Henry Hollywood Medium although he's got another show on Netflix now which isn't called Hollywood Medium but he's a medium who sends messages and he's just amazing and that that program brings me so much comfort Mm -hmm. and also there's a podcast called Hey Spirit with Teresa Caputo yeah she's I was gonna say she's like American I'm not sure if I'm saying her name right um but yes she's another medium and I just I think once you listen to those people do their thing and you like I don't understand how anyone couldn't believe it because they're, they're it just amazes me. Mm, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I will say I just I just realized this. I did have a close family friend pass away recently and I got to be there um for the death process. And wow. it was actually so beautiful like it there were terrifying moments there's something called like a death rattle that happens um and it's a type of breathing when someone's in the act of dying and it sounds scary to be honest um but it's not if you know what it is you you're like okay they're on their way out but what my family did is this was a very close family friend of ours and she was she was older she's in her 90s very strong woman and uh, we all gathered around her deathbed and we sang to her and the thing that is really interesting that I want people to know is if you choose to be in the presence of someone who is passing and hopefully in a peaceful establishment, um, that that person, if they are not already hearing impaired or deaf, the last sense, one of the last senses to go for humans is your hearing. So they can't mm-hmm. see, they can't necessarily feel things the way they were feeling things physically, but they can hear you. So it's actually really beautiful. So we got to sing to her and there's mm-hmm. this very striking moment where we sing, you are my sunshine. And it's such yeah. a simple song, but her eyes just flipped open and they hadn't in like two days. She's just been like just actively dying and she like had this huge gasp. And she didn't die in that moment, but, like, it was really beautiful. It was, like, oh, she totally heard that. And, like, hopefully she really liked that song. And I hope she didn't, like, dislike that song. And that's what made her, like, oh, God, you know. But, but no, it was it was really beautiful. So, anyway, it gave me hope for the way in which I want to, you know, exit mm-hmm. this realm is around people I love. And, and so. yes. Yeah, that's so amazing that you – could give that to her you know I think that's yeah that's wonderful that you were there to say goodbye and I'm sure she'll she'll take that with her where she is next you know and enter with comfort and confidence and know that she was loved Mm -hmm. while she was here totally yeah wow Mm. what a beautiful way to end the episode (laughs) what a nice note to end on yeah so uh, Um, Amy thanks for 
choosing to do this episode this way because I I haven't I listen to a lot of podcasts I haven't heard one like this like choose your own adventure almost and so (laughs) super exciting and like extra all that we do is really candid to be honest with you all we don't really script anything but oh no but this was extra candid it was awesome so thank you and happy birthday to you and happy birthday to anybody else who's listening who has an april birthday or march or may or whenever your birthday is happy birthday Yeah, happy birthday. And I, it would be amazing if you could recreate this for people in your life mm-hmm. on your birthday. Kind of just sit your partner or your friend down and make them <laughs> listen to the 30 things you've learned. Because yeah. to be honest, it's very cathartic. And um, yeah, it's meant a lot to me to share all of these things with you. So thank you for listening. Yes. Oh, well. We mm-hmm. will look forward to having you back here in two weeks. Um, until then, remember to let the light in. Bye. Bye.